Since you enjoy this show, I thought I'd throw out there another podcast you might like. It's a show about the intersection of design, technology, and the creative process. It's the Design Better podcast. And in each episode, hosts Eli Woolery and Aaron Walter bring you conversations with inspiring creative thinkers like John Cleese and David Sedaris, people who bring design and technology together like Tony Fadal, co-inventor of the iPhone and the iPod. So far, some standout episodes for me have been when they talk to John Cleese of Monty Python about creativity. That is one of my favorite topics and one of my favorite people. Then also one of my favorite musicians, Tycho, about his creative process. And they talk with Seth Godin about how creativity is an act of generosity. I've always been fascinated by design, the creativity behind it, the implementation of it, both to improve our lives from a functionality and user interface standpoint, also from an artful bringing beauty into the world approach. So whether you're a design curious person like me or a design pro, Design Better is a great listen that inspires and informs. Subscribe to the Design Better podcast at designbetterpodcast.com or in your favorite podcast app like the one you're using right now. And welcome back to another episode of Beyond the To-Do List. I am your host, Eric Fisher, and this is the show where I talk to the people behind the productivity. This week, I'm excited to share with you a conversation I had with Heather Adams. She's the founder and CEO of Choice Media and Communications, and also the host of the top-ranked podcast, Make Me Known. She's also a mentor to many And that is the topic of our conversation today. We're going to talk all about mentorship because part of getting things done is getting help. We're going to talk all about what mentorship is, how it works, how to seek it out, how to seek out those to mentor, the frequency of contact, the different styles of mentorship that are available to you, even mentorship by proxy, which I think a lot of people can take advantage of but aren't necessarily aware of or aren't necessarily aware that they're already doing it and can do it better. Heather is really helpful in walking us through all these different options and aspects of mentorship. I know that you're going to enjoy this one. This is a great one to be considering and pondering as we head into the new year and what type of mentorship you can either get or give in the new year. So I'll get out of the way and say, enjoy this conversation with Heather Adams. Well, this week, it is my privilege to welcome to the show, Heather Adams. Heather, welcome to Beyond the To-Do List. Thanks, Eric. I'm thrilled to be here. Appreciate you having me. Love it. Yeah. So you are the CEO of Choice Media and Communications. You've provided me a number of great guests along the way in the past, I don't know, how many years now? I don't remember exactly when we got connected. But then you also are a podcaster in and of itself, and you have a show called Make Me Known, and you're a mentor to many, many people, and that's the topic of the day. So, Yeah. Well, thank you, first of all, for having our clients on your show. They love being a guest of yours, and certainly we're grateful for the opportunity to be in front of your audience. And it's fun for me to be on this side of the mic this time, as opposed to having guests on the show being the guests myself. So thanks so much. So you have a show called Make Me Known. For those that haven't listened yet, what is your show about? 
Well, I am a communications expert. I have been practicing PR for nearly 30 years. I'm aging myself. But what people come to us for in choice are three things, really. Number one, they're looking for clarity. They've got 10 oars in the water. They don't know which oar to paddle first. And they're trying to determine the strategy and the roadmap for which to take their next steps. The second reason is they're looking for exposure. And that traditionally means they want to be on the Today Show. They want to be in the New York Times. They want to be in Time Magazine. And they want us to leverage our relationships. And the third reason is they're looking for an audience. You know, they're known to this one group over here, but gosh, if these people over here knew who they were, it would be a game changer for their business. And so make me known is an extension of that sentiment at choice for people who need one of those three things. We are trying to really help people make themselves known to an audience that maybe doesn't know that they exist or to an audience that needs whatever problem they're solving for them. So we really love the opportunity to engage with people in this podcast format, as I'm sure your audience is grateful for your podcast as well. And it just provides us one more way to share our content from choice in an accessible, easy, free way for consumers. Now, obviously, you are doing a lot of different juggling of relationships you've managed to cultivate over the past 30 plus years. And there are different levels and stages and statuses and all of that. But ultimately, you are looked at as a mentor to many of them and vice versa. And I want to dive deeper into what that word means. Do you have a definition of what you would say? Oh, well, when I think of a mentor, this is what I think of. Yeah. It's funny, Eric, you know, for so many years in my career, I was the one being mentored. And I don't think that really ever goes away. And I'm sure you and I will talk about even, you know, nearly 30 years into my career, I'm still being mentored personally. But there's a point where you become the mentor instead of the mentee, right? And people are coming to you for counsel, advice, wisdom, expertise, whatever it is. And I have a lot of different areas of my life that this happens, as I'm sure your listeners do as well. So obviously, professionally, there are people that come to me to be mentored. Women predominantly who are behind me in their career. You know, they're coming behind me, coming up through the communications realm, and they're looking for that professional development. There's personal mentors, right? Like people who are interested in learning about my marriage or my parenting because I'm just ahead of them in that season. Same thing for me. I'm looking to people who are ahead of me in those regards. Who, You know, I've been married 19 years. Somebody who's been married 50 years, what can I learn from them? I'm parenting teenagers, somebody who's got, you know, an empty nest. What can I learn from them? So what I think a good mentor does is they are invested in the development of whatever respective area of the person that they're serving and that they're in a partnership. It's not just one-sided, right? It's really, I have a goal that I want to achieve in my career, in my home life, in my family, whatever it might be. And I'm looking to that person who is steps ahead of me in that category of life and who is willing to pour into and share that knowledge with me 
in some way. Now, some people may not be aware of the fact that they are struggling. You don't even have to be struggling. I guess that's a that's a fallacy of mentorship right there. Right? It's not necessarily a, I am struggling in this specific area, and whether I'm aware of it or not, I need a mentor. It's, you may not even be struggling, but to avoid struggling or to avoid right. the mistakes somebody else has made, or actually another fallacy, maybe they didn't make mistakes, but they've gained experience. It's passing of experience. Well, and to me, we want to be in a proactive stance rather than a reactive stance, right? We need to be advocating for the Heather 10 years from now. You know, if I asked someone to pour into me in a specific area and mentor me in a specific area, I'm looking at it as the marathon, not the sprint. What is the Heather on the other side of that mentorship going to look like? And you really need to be advocating for her. Mm hmm. But it seems like there is a component here of give and take. It's not just one way. Let me put it that way. Right. It's not it just one be. way. Yeah. But it does usually involve at least two people. I've never actually heard of a three-person or multi-person. That gets into mastermind territory. I was going to say that's like a mastermind or a community group. But here's where I think we make the biggest mistake, Eric. When we want someone to mentor us, and we reach out and we, you know, get up the courage to reach out and ask that person, which I think is 90% of the challenges people are afraid to even make the ask, right? But let's say we get up the gumption and we reach out and we ask someone, may I take you to coffee? You know, that's what a lot of people do. I get the, that request all the time. Hey, Heather, I'd love to pick your brain. Can I take you to coffee? And you go to coffee, you've made the time for them, you sit down and there's a bunch of chit chat and nothing is accomplished that meets the goals of that mentee who's looking for value from the mentor. And so my challenge to people when they're asking for the mentorship is to be really specific in the request. I'd love to take you to coffee would you be willing to meet with me one hour a month for the next six months? Here's what I would love to learn from you. I will come with an agenda. I'll send that to you ahead of time so that you can prepare. But there are specific topics that I think you're phenomenal at and have a lot of wisdom in that I want to learn from you about. Otherwise, you go, you have the coffee, you make a lot of small talk, and then there's nothing other than some relational equity that was formed. There's no value to that conversation, right? And so you've lost the opportunity to really get and absorb from that mentor that you've reached out to and has granted you the time. Yeah. I mean, that sounds like a friendship and there's nothing wrong with that. That's actually a very good thing, but that's not what we're talking about. And you can be proactive in your friendships even, but again, being proactive with mentorship, being proactive and saying, I need to learn this thing or grow in this thing, mature in this area. Who do I know or who do I know that knows someone that it wouldn't be, you know, too awkward? You know, I think that's the thing is how far outside of your circles do you go? Have you had experience with that? Like, you don't want to yeah. leap too far to where there's no established maybe connection, but it doesn't have to be like you know them through and through. Totally. I think of it like that game, The Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon. You know, you want to immediately take inventory of your own network, your own relationships. 
It might be through work. It might be through church. It might be through community groups that you're a part of or friendships. But who do you have direct access to that you have a specific need that they are able to meet in a certain area of your life? Then go one, two, three, up to six degrees from those people. So let's say, for example, my mom has a really great girlfriend. I've grown up and she's been kind of like an aunt to me. She's my mom's girlfriend, but she's been, you know, really close to me in my life. And I really love and am impressed with her time management skills. And that's an area that I want to grow in. I might reach out to her and say, you know, Sally, here's the deal. Right now I'm struggling with time management. This is an area where you are winning over and over and over again. I've watched it my entire life. Would you be willing to sit down with me and share some of your best practices on how you manage your calendar and your days and your priorities? Because I want to learn from you. You know, that's my mom's friend. So she's two degrees from me, but it's somebody that I have access to. I think the other thing to bear in mind, Eric, is what I call virtual mentors. These are people that you do not have direct access to from a relationship standpoint. But you can get access to them because you can listen to their podcast, right? You can read their book. You can go and see them speak at a, you know, a conference. You can follow them on social media. You can read interviews that they've done with the media. There are ways for you to absorb and learn from them. I'll use Brene Brown as an example for me. I love, love, love Brene Brown. She is about two degrees from me from a relationship standpoint. I have clients that I serve and work with that are very close friends with Brene. So I could potentially get to Brene, but Brene Brown is a busy woman. She's got a Netflix show and she's got two podcasts and she has a research company she's running and she's consulting with clients and she's writing books like So what I do instead is I read her books. I listen to her podcast. I watch her show on Netflix. Like I pay attention to what Brene is doing so that I can still learn from her, even without sitting down and meeting with Brene personally. That's a very good lesson there. I think a lot of us do partake in that type of mentorship without maybe necessarily calling it that or being as intentional with it. So, hey, let's call that out right now and say there are probably mentorship opportunities that you're already taking part of, but you're maybe not being as intentional with them as you could be. Right. But in any of these instances, whether it's a, you know, how far away degree or what reason you want to be mentored, let's step back and say, it takes a degree of self-awareness to say that I want to be mentored. I need to be mentored, whether that's want to, proactive or need to, necessity, you have that awareness first. And the awareness of this specific area of need, right? That's right, yes. And Eric, you're a perfect example. This podcast is mentoring a whole lot of people. And so let's say that you have listeners that listen to you week in and week out, you know, regularly with your podcast, right? And you have a guest on and they're really encouraged, motivated, challenged by that guest. They're learning through you and being mentored both by you and that guest, If they're proactive about it, they could reach out to that guest or reach out to you and say, I just listened to X episode and oh my gosh, I was so challenged by this and convicted. This is an area I'm really working on personally. I appreciate how much 
you know, value you offered to me in this episode. Here are three questions I have as a follow up. Like that's a simple thing where you could continue to get mentored just by asking a couple of questions in a follow up email, right? Not even asking for a sit down meeting. Now, do you ever mentor anybody in the sense of, you know, helping them figure out where do you need to be mentored? Maybe you don't have awareness. Maybe you feel like something's off. So you have a limited percentage of awareness of, I need mentorship, but it's a vague sense of it. It's not a concrete or specific clarity in that regard. Yeah, I'll use two specific examples from different areas of my life. So professionally, I own and run a communications agency called Choice Media and Communication. I lead a team of women, and each one of those women is at a different season in her career. Some of them are right out of college. Some of them are 20 years into their career, and some of them are somewhere in between, right? Every single quarter, I sit down with each staff member, and we do what we call a scorecard meeting. And so that is four times a year, we are evaluating both the hard and soft skills of their respective position within the company. And we're talking through where they're winning, where they have opportunity. And we talk about it in one quarter to plan for the next. And so just yesterday, I had one of these meetings with one of my employees. And what we were talking through was just a few tweaks she could make in her leadership of client meetings that would make such a difference. This was an area that I would consider like a blind spot for her because she's a really effective communicator. She's always buttoned up, presence, polished. It's all good when she's leading a meeting. But there were a couple of minor tweaks that she didn't recognize or realize about herself that I mentioned to her in this scorecard meeting. And she was like, oh, my gosh, you are so right. And I said, what's going to happen is you're going to establish even more confidence and trust with the client if you make these few minor tweaks, right? So I think there are times when we have blind spots that a mentor can point out and help us figure out how to address them. The second area is a personal area for me. So the sorority I was in at the University of Georgia, AOPI, I advise a chapter here in Nashville at Middle Tennessee State University, and I've been their advisor for 19 years. Well, one of the women who I lead was the recruitment vice president this year, okay? So her job was all about recruitment. Well, she's decided she's going to run for another position in the chapter for next year when she goes into her senior year. So she called me up and she said, we spent the last year together. You were my advisor. What are areas that you think I did really, really well? And what are areas where you think I need improvement or could make a couple of tweaks if I run for this position over here? So she was proactively reaching out to me because I had spent so much time with her over the last year. And she was trying to figure out how she could enhance her leadership skills in a specific way to serve the chapter further in a different capacity. So two different ways that a mentor can help a mentee, both personally and professionally. But I think where we offer value is we can look at a person that we're serving and we can evaluate blind spots that they might have 
that we're privy to. And it's like we turn a light bulb on for them, you know? Yeah. And in both those instances, there's a two-way street there. So it's that the mentor is noticing and speaking into the mentee's life or skill set and noticing, observing, and then approaching about those things. And that's great. And that's that's mentor to mentee. Vice versa, the mentee has that existing relationship with the mentor and is seeking slash open to the feedback. That's what I was going to say, Eric. That's exactly right. The mentee has got to be open to receiving feedback and being willing to take that and do something with that information, right? You can choose to ignore it and say, oh, that's just her opinion, you know, whatever. Or you can choose to say, oh my gosh, the fact that she is paying attention to this and offering me this really great insight and wants to make me better. You know, it's like when I read a press release or a pitch for one of our clients and I have a publicist look at it and she edits it and makes it stronger. It's not like she's getting thrills out of marking that up, right? Her whole goal is for my pitch to be stronger and more effective when I send it out to media. If we take the criticism as just that, as just critique and not as valuable insight, I think that's where we can make an error as a mentee and really not get all that's benefiting the partnership with a mentor. Still searching for a great candidate for your company? Don't search, just match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch that busy work. Instead, use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. I wish I had Indeed when I was in the hiring process in roles in the past because it is a slow, arduous headache of a process to find the right people or at least it used to be, join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to find and hire great talent fast. In fact, in the minute I've been talking to you, 23 hires were made on Indeed according to Indeed data worldwide. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash to-do list. Just go to Indeed.com slash to-do list right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash to-do list. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Now, it's one thing to talk about an existing mentor-mentee relationship and the guidance from a mentor to a mentee and the openness of a mentee towards what the mentor is saying. However, What if you are a person who, again, we talked about the passive mentoring that is an option for most people, but what if other than that, you have no relational one-to-one, back-and-forth, give-and-take, mentor-mentee relationships in your life, and you want to be mentored, and you're starting basically from scratch, how do you suggest someone like that get started? So I think first, to your point about being self-aware earlier, You have to determine what is your desired outcome for having a mentor? Is it you want to be more productive in a specific area? Is it you want to advance your career in a certain way? Is it you're in a specific season that you need help with? So let's say, for example, you're in a job transition and you're interviewing for a new job and you want someone to just help you in that season 
know how to interview well, know how to negotiate for yourself well, those kind of things. I think you have to evaluate what is the need or the problem that you have that you're seeking out the mentorship for. That's the first thing, right? Then the second thing is determining who is it that can help solve that problem for you? Who is it that is going to offer you value to that specific need? And so that's where you're taking the inventory of who do I have access to either personally or a couple of degrees from me that I can proactively go and ask for the assistance from. And then third is the actual ask, right? And that is the email, the phone call that asking the person who has the relationship if they would make the ask for you. But being really specific and intentional about what the commitment would look like if somebody said yes to you. And then fourth is the actual meeting. If you get that in some way, being prepared for that conversation and proactive ahead of it so that the mentor knows what you're hoping to get out of it. I do the best when someone tells me ahead of our time together what they're hoping to talk about because then I put some thought into it and I'm not having to just necessarily shoot from the hip during our conversation. That's not to say that you can't do that, but it just is usually much more beneficial to the mentor if they know your agenda and what you're hoping to learn about prior to the actual conversation. Those are some great details to consider when making that ask. I feel like a lot of people, even if they're aware, don't reach out to potential mentors because they feel like, oh, they're already so busy. I don't want to bother them. I don't want to impose or ask for their time because, you know, I either I'm not worthy of it or they already have too many people already or and all those different excuses, basically. How do you think we should get over those? Well, I think there's two things to consider here. And one I mentioned earlier, which is what are you going to look like on the other side of that mentorship if they say yes? You need to advocate for that version of you, right? And get over the fear. Second is mentors love doing this. I have a friend, Laura Quick, who is the editor-in-chief and founder of Good Grit Magazine and Good Grit Agency. She has 45 minutes every single week that she dedicates to a coffee if someone asks her for it, okay? There are people like that who are out there who have so much insight, so much competency, experience, If they just get asked, they're willing to share because somebody did that for them on the other side, right? Before they had all this experience, somebody poured into them. And so they're willing to share it and pass it forward. I think we just want to be asked. And I say we because I include myself in that every single time I get asked, I tell my assistant, let's find a way to make this work. You know, let's find a way for me to give this person 30 minutes of my time or an hour of my time, depending on what the request is. So I encourage you to step into the fear and be willing to make the ask because I would say nine times out of 10, it's going to be a yes from the person because they're so excited to be able to do for you what someone did for them. And if we're aware of we, again, either want to be proactive or have a necessity in that area we're reaching out to this person to mentor us in, 
the worst that can happen is they say no. But exactly. The best is that they say yes. And then there's even a third option here, which is I'm not the person or I don't have the capacity, but I want to, but I have somebody else in mind that would help you. Yeah. Or I can't do it right now, but I could do it next month. Yes. Or they could be a proxy towards that virtual mentoring where they could guide you to the right virtual mentoring options in that regard. Yes, I totally agree with that, Eric. And I think partly what happens here is is there's probably other hangups here. In fact, we should probably list those off. What are some of the other hangups when it comes to mentorship other than we just feel like, one, I'm not courageous enough. I, I'm not bold enough no. to ask. Two is probably I'm not aware of the need. Three is who to ask. There's got to be more, though. I think people are afraid to make an ask of someone they perceive as important or of a certain stature, right? I think there's also a hang up when your perception is that that person is really, really busy. They have a lot on their plate and this is just one more thing that would add to their plate. And you don't want to be that person that makes the ask, right? Those are two pretty common ones like, oh, that person's running a company like they don't have time for me. They have so much on their plate or that person's really important. Who am I to ask them for help? You know, I think both of those are perceptions that we have that play out or narratives that play out in our head that we tell ourselves. And that's why we don't make the ask. I have a feeling one of the ways to alleviate that is being clear about the ask up front is, oh, I'm not asking you to like mentor me forever. It's mostly for a season and it's defining the parameters of that. You know, how often are we meeting? How long into the future will we be meeting? And you'll know because you're the expert, not me, to be able to tell me when I've, air quotes, arrived at the place that I don't need you to be my mentor in this area anymore. It's a lot of clarifying of expectations up front. That's true. Yeah, that's very true. I think when you, to use Brene Brown's term, when you paint done on the front end, then everybody knows and the expectations are managed so that we all know what done looks like, right? We're all on the same page about that. You know, one other thing, Eric, that we haven't talked about, but is something to seriously consider are people that you would pay to help you in specific categories. So like an executive coach, a financial expert. These are people that might be contractors or consultants for you in a specific area that you might pay for a service, but it's really mentoring you in a specific area that you don't have expertise. So for example, I have a woman that serves as my CFO at Choice. She is a contractor for me. She's not a full-time employee, but she brings a specific level of competence to the table and experience because of her background and knowledge and education and all of that. She has helped me over the years I have worked with her know how to run my business more financially stable, how to plan long-term financially. Like She's taught me those things, even though I'm paying her, she's taught me those things. So now I am a much more educated CEO. I still don't have the desire to get in the day-to-day -day financial minutia that she does that I pay her to do. But from a big picture standpoint, I know how to run my business a lot more effectively because of her mentorship over me in the financial arena. That makes sense. What is the nature in terms of like frequency? How often are you meeting with her? It's probably not every week or every 
you know, it's it actually once a week, is every is week. I'm meeting with her, and then we're doing big picture planning once a quarter. Okay. So, you know, I do meet with her every week. The every week is the day in and day out business finances, right? But the once a quarter is the big picture financial. You know, like when I first started working with her, I had seen a PL previously, but I didn't really know and understand what a PL was in my business and how to utilize it effectively and well. She has taught me that. That is something that I have paid for her expertise, but I definitely have been mentored, quote unquote, by her so that now I have a lot of competency in that area that I didn't have prior to that relationship. Well, and this is a paid mentorship relationship. And I think there are those, you know, it could be an executive coach, for example, or it could be somebody that you pay to train you on social media for a specific season, right? And they're mentoring you so you know how to promote your business on your social media platforms. Well, but it's not a long-term, you know, thing. It just depends on the situation. But I think so often we think about mentors being free and mentors devoting their time and resources, which certainly is the case in a lot of circumstances. But it's not exclusively that way. And if you have the resources to be able to do it, sometimes you can gain access to a quote unquote mentor through paying them and bringing them on during a specific season of whatever that need is. Yeah, we usually look at the cost aspect of mentorship as it costs me time and it costs them time. So we're a little different there when it comes to the frequency of meeting and so on. Mm -hmm. But when we're paying somebody, it's like, oh, well, I'm paying you. You know, We're still going to come to an agreement, but I have different expectations at that point. Yeah. And again, it's back to that beginning conversation about managing the expectations on the front end so that you know what the deliverables are for what you're paying for the service. Or if there's no money being exchanged, you know what the commitment is from the mentor and they know what the obligation is to you if there's a yes that's exchanged. Now, in terms of not just short term, but long term and like the duration of the mentorship relationship, obviously there are seasonal things. And if you're approaching somebody for a specific need and then they've helped you, like, is it okay? Well, I, f- I feel like you, do you feel I've arrived? I feel I've arrived. Or is there anything uh, you're seeing that I'm missing? You know, it, it, I mean, again, it's an ongoing dialogue. Totally. Well, there are those people that mentor you throughout your whole life, but it's not an obligatory, you know, like meeting every single month or every single week or whatever. So, for example, my boss, when I worked in publishing, I worked in house at a book publishing company for the better part of a decade. The woman who hired me into that position that gave me my break and opportunity and is, I say, is the reason I have the career that I do now. She mentored me in a different capacity when she was my supervisor than she does now. I talked to her throughout the year, you know, when I want to have lunch with her and catch up and personally connect and all of that, or I have a situation that She's ahead of me in her career and I haven't navigated this yet. And so I still want to ask her something, but it's not the same kind of commitment that it was when she was my boss, right? So I think there are mentorships that last throughout your lifetime, you know, and it's just touch points that you have every so often. But I do think there are times when it's a very finite period and you say, 
you know, okay, after this semester, when you graduate from college and you move on into your career, our, you know, mentorship will be officially over. However, I'll be available to you if you need to reach out to me again. You know, like, I think you determine that on the front end as opposed to it being so in the ether, you know, about like, you need to draw boundaries and limitations on it because otherwise the chances of you getting a yes are going to be limited because it doesn't feel, it feels so infinite, right? You want the mentor to understand like at some point this is, you know, is going to end. This is not going to be, we're talking to each other forever and ever and ever on and on and on. Yeah. There's at least a rough timeline as you start out. There's, there's room for, repositioning or or pivoting or just reconfiguring what the timeline is, but entering into it at least with an initial timeline and an understanding and agreement. Yeah. And you may form such an incredible relationship and bond that it continues beyond that season just here and there, or you exchange Christmas cards or you have lunch from time to time or something like that. Or it may be that when the mentorship is over, it's over and you move on and they move on. And both are okay. Throughout this conversation, we've actually been kind of mostly taking the position of somebody who is seeking mentorship. But what if we're someone who has expertise and we can take on that mentor role? How can we be a proactive person to seek out people to mentor? I love that question so much, Eric, because I think there are so many people who have such great insight and wisdom and counsel and expertise to offer and are just holding it in because they don't have anyone to pour it into. So a couple of things, you know, immediately come to mind. One is to go back to places where you have been connected. Maybe it's your college that you graduated from. Maybe it's a former or current employer that you have worked at. Maybe it's a church group that you are a part of or a community organization that you serve. Go to those respective places and offer yourself up. You know, you can go and volunteer your time. For example, I graduated from the University of Georgia. Across the University of Georgia colleges, there is a campus-wide mentorship program. So every single semester, I get a different mentee from the University of Georgia as an alumni who has opted in to their mentorship program. Now, there are semesters that I can opt out and say, this is a really busy season. I don't need to do this right now. But Georgia has that offering to our alumni where we can volunteer our time and experience. You know, the same thing holds true from places where you work. You know, if you're at a corporation that has uh, employees who are less experienced than you, there are ways that you can go to HR and say, hey, if there is a mentorship program available here, I'd be interested in serving in this capacity. So it's really you taking the initiative and making specific organizations or community groups where you have some sort of connection that you make yourself available to them and say, I can be a resource if you are ever in need. Now, obviously, this is a productivity show. So I want to make clear that if you're someone who feels like they've got expertise and want to offer that, 
you probably should take a second and make sure you have the time to offer that. 100%. Yes. Just like our clients who come and want us to pitch them to media, we say to them, are you going to give us the availability to do media interviews, right? If we start pitching all these places and then you can't take the time to travel to New York to do the interview or to answer their questions or do a video interview or whatnot, then there's no reason we should be pitching, right? It's the same thing here. If you go and offer yourself and then somebody says, yes, oh my gosh, I would love to be mentored by Eric. And then they try to sign up and register for time with you and your calendar doesn't permit it. Well, that's not beneficial to them at all. And it's just a waste of everybody's time. Well, and if we go to the virtual route, like we've mentioned a few times in this conversation, it could be a great way for a newcomer to the mentor relationship to say, I don't have a lot of time, but I think I have enough time that I could point people in the right direction towards the right virtual mentorship opportunities that would help them. And then we can regroup and or then graduate into the next level of, okay, I have time to guide that, but then also meet once a quarter. And then beyond that, meet once a month. And then beyond that, meet once and like inch your way up. And and actually the other piece is juggling multiple mentees. Yeah. And then again, you know your own bandwidth, availability, expertise that can be offered you know, you know, what you have available. And so it's really taking inventory of those offerings to a mentee and determining how available you can be and if it can be more than one or if it's, I would encourage you to baby step into it. You know, maybe you start out doing a virtual session with the college you graduated with when they do a call for alumni. Or maybe it's you're on a panel at a conference and you offer it, you know, for one thing and you see how that feels, you know, like baby step into it. Don't just go full blown and all of a sudden you've got three mentees that you're trying to juggle and you're meeting with them once a week. Like that's a huge commitment. So you want to make sure that you're stepping into it realistically. Mm -hmm. Pacing is the key. Yes. From yes, both sides. Right. You you also don't want to be a person seeking out mentorship and say, I'm going to go seek out five mentors right now. Uh, that's overload. That is. And I would think of prioritizing the biggest need that you have in that respective time frame or season that you're looking for someone and figure out, is there someone who can help me in a couple of different areas at once because they have a variety of experience and background rather than seeking out some, you know, an individual for each different area. But I would prioritize those areas and then go after them in that order. Well, this is a lot to think about for somebody. I, I, we've given a lot of not just long-term, but short-term and getting started type guidance. Is there anywhere you can think of we can direct people to to start to inch their way into this, both from the mentor side and from the mentee side of things? You know, I would say look into groups or organizations that you have direct access to, like the college that you attended's career center, or if you're a student, the college you're attending's career center, right? Like start with something like that, or your church's outreach programming. Or the nonprofit that you volunteer at, their community ambassador. Like 
go to a place where you have some kind of relationship and or access and start there to find out what is available to you, both from a I'm a mentor wanting to offer my services and time or I'm a mentee seeking this out. Perfect. What about you? Where can people find out more about you, Heather Adams and Choice Communications? Well, thank you for asking, Eric. So if you're interested in choice and learning more about us, you can go to choicemediacommunications.com. That is our website where you can find our blog and our podcast. And we have an annual leadership conference that's in April every year. It'll be April 13th in 2023. You can also sign up for, you know, a consultation if you're interested in any of our services. All of our handles for choice are at Choice Media Communications. So if you want to follow us on Instagram or find us on Facebook. And then same thing for me. You know, I spend a lot of time on Instagram and I am Heather Dixon Adams, Heather D-I-X-O-N, Heather Dixon Adams. And I'd love to connect with you there. So if you're interested in doing that, please reach out through one of those forums. We'd love to connect with you and love the opportunity to serve you. Perfect. I will make sure to link up to everything you just listed off in the show notes. And Heather, it's been great talking with you. Thank you so much for sharing. You too, Eric. And I just want to say what a gift your podcast is to people who are going through the steps to be more productive, trying to figure out how to take it beyond the to-do list. I love the name of the show. So thank you very much for the opportunity to be here. Well, that's another podcast crossed off your listening to-do list. I hope that you found something helpful in terms of mentorship information in this conversation with Heather Adams. Thank you so much to Heather for talking with me about this topic. It's something that I don't think we think about as consciously or as intentionally as we should. And I know that at the times that I have thought about it intentionally and implemented it in my life, it has made a huge difference. So I hope this is helpful for you. And in fact, if you do me the favor of helping somebody else out other than you, think about somebody who needs to hear this conversation and share it with them. Let them know about this conversation with Heather about mentorship so that they too can benefit. And maybe by sharing it, it's a great way for you to either ask for or offer your own mentorship. Thank you so much for doing me that favor and sharing this conversation. Thank you again for listening, and I will see you next episode.